Greetings, listeners. This is Mike from Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I'm joining our dear friend Kyle this week, as I do every week, but there's going to be a little bit of a twist. We thought about trying to fool you listeners, but we're not going to. I actually know what the list is this week, so I'm not going to ask Kyle. We're going to rank our top 10 of something wonderful. Kyle, what are we ranking this week? So at the time of this recording, we are one week past the premiere of Avengers Infinity War, and Mike and I unabashedly loved the hell out of this movie and realized that a lot of other people quite liked it as well and thought it'd be fun to try something a little a little bit fresh on the pod, something a little bit more topical and very specific and one that we both know the topic of. So we're basically just going to talk about Avengers Infinity War, but put a top 10 spin on it. So we're going to rank the top 10 basically MVPs of the movie, I think would be a good way to say it. Like who had the best movie performance wise, either from like a plot perspective or from based on their lines. I think on my list, I've included actually both characters in the movie and like actual people like actors or people surrounding the film that you'll see what I mean. So it's something a little different. Basically this stems from the fact that Mike and I were gushing over this movie over the weekend and wanted to talk about it some more on the pod. So that's what we're doing. We'll see how it goes. Absolutely. And we're going to be working off of Kyle's list. So we are going to keep the format pretty similar, even though I do know the topic. Kyle is going to present the list and I'm going to react to it. So don't worry. I have put in exactly as much preparation as you, the listeners are used to. I will purely be reacting to Kyle's work here. He is playing chess. I am playing checkers. K dog. (laughs) Uh, who's, who's clocking it at number 10? Number 10. This is the, the highest ratio of spot on list versus screen time. Mm-hmm. Number 10 goes to our recently departed friend, sometimes enemy, sometimes we're not quite sure, evil brother Loki. Oh, actually, uh, Kyle, before you continue, we have already oh. <laughs> neglected to do the one thing we said we were going to do. Massive spoiler alert. Massive spoiler alert. To uh, those of you who listen to this pod regularly and will certainly be skipping right past this pod, that's you, (laughs) Nicole, Felicia, longtime girlfriend, Caroline, several others, feel free to keep listening. You're not going to care. But if you haven't seen this movie, there will be spoilers. And you intend to. Yes, and you intend to. We will be spoiling completely. There is This is a no-holds-barred. Uh, situation so loki i'm i'm of the thinking that and i think a lot of people are that eventually in avengers 4 when a lot of folks come back loki will not be among them yeah um and (laughs) i think thanos even says he's like no more resurrections this time as if to like tell us like no really he's dead yeah he's he um i feel pretty confident he's dead um I, I gotta say, I've never been a huge fan of Loki. I'm a huge fan of Tom Hiddleston. Not yeah. a huge fan of Loki. Um, but I think he really importantly set the stakes for us as viewers for this movie. Now, were those stakes legitimate? <laughs> Maybe a conversation for another day. But as you were watching the movie, it made the stakes feel very legitimate. So up until, you know, the end credits rolled, you really felt a sense of danger. And I think that, uh, his death was the only way you could do that. You you felt it. 
Yeah, it was just shot across the bow within like the first two minutes of the movie. Yeah. And I think it's fitting that his last moments were a combination of being kind of treacherous and also heroic. I think it's it's a fitting goodbye to, in my opinion, like really one of the only good villains in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. This is, hopefully this leads to him being a little more freed up to do something like, I don't know, be the next Bond, which there have been rumors of. Yeah, the the only thing is, there's another character in this movie whose schedule just opened up to be the next Bond. Uh, in spite of, in spite of the fact that now deceased, uh, former Bond Roger Moore thought he was a little too street, uh, I am very excited for the possibility of Idris Elba, who, spoiler, also croaks in this movie. Um, but no, I, I think Tom Hiddleston, Really did a great job with Loki throughout the series, and especially here. I also really loved that he identified himself as the god of mischief. Uh, in sort of like writing his own eulogy was was great. I also love that it's mischief and not like treachery or cunning. Yes, like <laughs> like as if he's the one taking like Thanos' socks out of his dryer. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's then, a great like, wh- yeah. like whisking him away. Yeah. Um. So, Allegis hasn't seen Infinity War yet, but intends to, and Mm -hmm. she's going to be very disappointed, because we just watched um, Ragnarok on Sunday to catch her up, and she was like, damn, Tom Hiddleston is cute. Like, I'm into this, I'm into, like, this whole Loki thing, and unfortunately, he'll not be around much longer. Alas, he is no more. One less man for you to compete with out there. That is fine. Although Tom Hiddleston still exists. (laughs) Worth That's noting, true. Tom Hiddleston. It's another spoiler alert. Tom Hiddleston does not die in this movie. Only Loki yeah, just, does. Just Loki. Although, given the ending, there's about a fifty-fifty chance that Tom Hiddleston, the actor in this oh. universe, assuming he does exist in this universe, has died. That'd be a fun like. That'd be another fun list. Is like the top ten people you would like celebrities you would protect in like a ever half the world dies draft. <laughs> yeah, I actually was just about to say like, quick, real quick, just give us a quick off the top of your head three people you really hope didn't die in this call. Mike Trout, yeah, George Clooney. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, say something that makes you sound smart and important. Come on, what do you got? Uh, Jackson Pollock. <laughs> oh my god. He's this dead, is, right? uh, yes. Unfortunately, this is out of order, so the listeners will not yet. Oh yeah. Uh, we're, we're pushing this to the front of the pod queue. So listeners, that's a little, uh, tease for, for what is coming in a few weeks. Um, alright. Number nine! Number nine! <laughs> Number nine was everyone's favorite literal talking alien, Drax. Yeah. Drax had a really strong, Okay, I'll say that he had a very strong movie, but it wasn't much. It wasn't like noticeably stronger than any of his other appearances because he is gold yeah. every time he appears on screen, and they know this. Yeah, he gets probably undue screen time for like the like third most popular or like third most talented or fourth even <laughs> Guardian of the Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> that scene where he's like. <laughs> thinks that he's moving so slowly that he actually can't be seen it was amazing that was such comedic gold i i I don't know i mean the only other thing i've ever seen dave bautista in was playing hanks or whatever the weird henchman inspector and he was a non-entity he just was pointless he just Um, grunted and kicked things yeah and he's amazing in these movies like I, i i'm concerned that my sentiment that we should get more Dave Bautista 
is misplaced and we're getting exactly the right amount of Dave Bautista. Um, but man, he's, he, he's really an efficient player in this situation. Yeah. Like who would have, th- cause like, I feel like, uh, cause he's a wrestler, right? Or was, yeah. Or, or I feel like a lot of athletes turned actors are like kind of funny because they're clearly like not, they're kind of fish out of water. Yeah. Dave Bautista is so damn funny. It's like he's a comedian or a full-time actor. Like he totally. nails it, and the the way he like guffaws and just yells everything. <laughs> he's he's really something special. He was also briefly in um, you saw Blade Runner, right? The new one. No, I haven't seen the new one yet. Oh, I you know. should really see it. And there's just enough Dave Bautista in that movie as well. So maybe this is proving he's he's perfectly cast in all things. Yeah. But, and, and, and Drax, in terms of the plot of this film, like, he's got, like, an interesting little side thing with Thanos, but, like, besides that, doesn't really do a whole lot. He's on this list for delivering an undue proportion of really fantastic uh, comedy in this movie. Absolutely. I This is this is all about his role to the film, not to his role to the plot to save the universe or anything. Really, it's more Dave Bautista maybe should be nine than Drax. Yeah. Drax, but, well, which brings me to my next one. Number eight is not Ichri, the dwarf, but it's actually Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Peter, I don't know, like, how closely you follow, probably not at all, like, the (laughs) fan theorizing that goes on ahead of these movies, which is, quite frankly, ridiculous. Yeah. And I try to stay away out of it because I'd like to enjoy the movie kind of without knowing too much about it. Mm-hmm. But people were rampantly, rampantly <clears throat> speculating who Peter Dinklage might play in this movie. Mm-hmm. And no one guessed that it would be this character. They guessed that he would be playing an actual dwarf. Yeah. And it was I, like, it, this is more just so for like one moment, like that when you realize that it's Peter Dinklage playing a dwarf, but one that is like, 20 feet tall was just really cool well i think that the peter dinklage award here goes to a point that you and i have actually discussed already which is that this movie made a lot of big bets that in a lot of situations would not have paid off and i think that the peter dinklage sequences are emblematic of that that having several characters go to a planet that we've never seen before to talk to a character we've never seen before about a weapon that we've never seen before that has a very confusing role to play in this story for like 12 minutes of a very long movie that should have gone terribly wrong. But I think largely because of Peter Dinklage's just such incredible talent, it was worth it. And also just as a side note, uh, because of his wonderful work as Tyrion, I was able to lean over to Shelby, who I was watching this with, um, and quote the passage from uh, Game of Thrones where that Mallory loves so much about how uh, just for that one moment, Lord Tyrion Lannister stood tall as any man. I was able to drop that. It just felt so fitting. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was. It felt right at the time. But Peter Dinklage was incredible. I don't. What's the character's name? Etri. I had to Google it. Etri. It's just like a random. Dwarfy yeah. kind of name. That's yeah. all. And that brings us to number seven, mm-hmm. which I think I was just falling victim here a little bit to just thinking about that scene. Yeah. 
our spunky and rebellious friend, <laughs> Teen Groot, didn't have a lot to do in this movie, but yeah. the thing that he did do was a really, really cool moment. Totally. I kind of wondered what they were doing with Groot in this movie, and like, it's clear that they had this plan all along for this one really cool moment in a, mm-hmm. in a way for him to shine, and, and otherwise, a pretty ho-hum kind of movie for Groot. He only says, I am Groot, maybe four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> Although there was that awesome moment with uh, Captain America, <laughs> he says, I am Groot, <laughs> I'm Steve Rogers. Yeah, that was, that was pro, I think that was, well, I don't want to spoil the later parts of the list. I think that was probably Captain America's best moment from the whole movie. Or Steve, I guess Steve Rogers' best moment from the entire movie. I love that all of a sudden he grows a beard and now it's like, well, I'm, I'm Steve Rogers. I'm not Captain America. As you can see, I have a beard now. Yeah, he's, it's, it's like Clark Kent with his glasses. Um, yeah, that was whatever. We'll get back to that. But Groot totally agreed. Groot's movie was probably like a C, C plus, except for this one moment, which I so so for the listeners, it was the moment I'm sure you can guess where he gives up uh, his his root or his arm, I guess, to create the axe handle for Thor's baller new axe. So I thought that he was sacrificing himself. Um, I thought, (laughs) yeah, I was like, oh my God, Groot's going to kill himself again. Uh, so I was very impressed. Turned out not to be quite that, but was a really cool moment. Nonetheless, I just think that (laughs) from a marketing perspective, maybe the best thing Marvel could have done was hit the reboot on Groot again. Like you just said, and get another baby, another baby Groot. Yeah. (laughs) But the second best thing is to create an amazingly mythical, powerful weapon of which the handle is a Groot arm, because there are going to be a lot of those things produced and sold, and I will own one, I'm sure. Absolutely, and I have a strong feeling that in a moment of comic relief in the next film, there will be some sort of moment where the axe handle does something Grooty, like the axe handle suddenly like comes to life and is like, Groot! Like, just for a moment. (laughs) There's just too much crossover potential not to do that. Yeah, I love it. That's another... Allegis is, like, the biggest Groot fan that ever lived, and I think she's going to be somewhat disappointed with Groot in this film. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that there's this, at least. Yeah, absolutely. That puts us through seven, which means it's time for our not top three. Yeah. (laughs) I got a couple people in mind. Number three for me, (laughs) because he's such a a creep, (laughs) is... The is the one of Thanos's like henchmen, lackey type guys. The one that can levitate things, and the one that ends up torturing Doctor Strange. And like, yeah. um, his actual character name is Ebony Maw, which I don't know how often that Ebony Maw, Ebony Maw, like as so, in a black mouth. Yes, exactly. Okay. Is that the purpose of his name? It seems hard to believe that it's not, but his mouth was not particularly black. Yeah, I don't, like, recall him being, like, nor a ma- was, Yeah. Nor was his mouth particularly maw-ish. Like, a maw usually means there's a lot of teeth in there. It's yeah. very big. You could probably eat a car hole with yeah. a maw. Like Especially jaws. in this universe. Yeah, they. I yeah. heard that it was between maws and jaws, but they decided <laughs> on jaws. <laughs> I'm glad they did that. 
Yeah, so can I just say, I I know I want to hear your reasons, but my biggest issue with this this young fella, Ebony Ma, is that the the powers that he displayed in this movie actually seemed more powerful than the things that Thanos was doing. So I'm like, <laughs> Thanos kind of sucks. This doofus with the not remarkable mouth is actually the most powerful creature in this world right now. <laughs> At least until Thanos got, like, the Time Stone, I think you're right. Yeah. Because as soon as you have the Time Stone and the Soul Stone, things escalate a little bit. Yes. But you're right. Like, he was, like, pretty much just destroying people at will. Absolutely. Which is also part of why he makes a not top three, is that he's just, like, it's kind of the Boba Fett thing, where he's a cool, really intimidating character, but is dismissed, like, really out of hand very quickly. Absolutely. In a way that you wouldn't think should be possible. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's really interesting the way myths around characters kind of grow over time, and you sometimes can forget what they actually were like in a movie. I know I had a moment with that recently where you got me uh, that Darth Vader comic, and Mm -hmm. I read it, and I was like, you know, I kind of forgot. Darth Vader is kind of the Emperor's biatch, and I had forgotten it. So I think over time, Darth Vader has morphed into like the supreme powerful being. That's not his character, and I feel like we might... People are either going to discard this Ebony Ma character uh, into the dustbin of history, or they're going to, like, build some weird myth around him. I'm glad that the movie decided that these characters were going to be there to provide really interesting figures for the Avengers to fight. Yeah. Like, to look at and have unique powers and be cool to fight, but they didn't go too far into their backstory because there's just not time for that. We don't care, you know? Yeah, we did not need to, to, to take any more time with that. Right. It's unclear how many of them are still alive for the next one. Probably about half. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't remember either. Yeah, that's a good point. But, half is a good guess. Anyways, number two in our not top three is Vision. <laughs> Vision is one of my favorites from the actual comics, but unfortunately he just sucks. Yeah. I don't think anyone really likes or cares about Vision except for Wanda. And, like, I, I, I don't know, watching him die just didn't really inspire any kind of emotion in me. And that's when I knew that he probably had to make the not top three. He's the only character that died that I was like, eh, maybe it's because I was prepared for it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure I totally am on board with this one. Um, I, I actually felt like he had a pretty good movie. I, I think, unfortunately, he was treated as a plot device, which... Rightly so, he has an infinity stone in his head. Um, So he's sort of like plot device McDevicington, like that's sort of his deal. But um, (laughs) I actually found like those scenes of him and Wanda in Scotland, like pseudo compelling. Um, I thought that the final scene where, you know, she's killing him was like, I don't know. I didn't totally feel it there, but I felt it a little more earlier in the movie when he was hurt in that earlier scene. I, I, I felt it. But I, I see where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong. I think, like, I think Paul, well, first of all, Paul Bettany is not grouped into this because I really like Paul Bettany and he's, he's a, a good He's job. a delight. But just, I don't know. Like, when I was watching him get his dome blasted open by Wanda, like, yeah, I felt a lot of, I was compelled by her side of it. Yeah. And, like, not really his so much, which, like, surprised me because I really liked 
vision. But he's just like, I don't know, for like a purple and green android that can walk through walls and has an infinity stone in his dome, he's kind of like a, he's a weirdly forgettable character. It's just, it's just strange. Yeah, I'm with you there. Number one, I think without debate, (laughs) Star-Lord just had a really bad movie. (laughs) Yeah, so I I don't want to accidentally step on anybody that you might be ranking in your top, but I do have a couple that I want to mention. There's... There is no question. What in the actual fuck was <laughs> Star-Lord doing in this movie? Like, Chris Pratt did a great job with the one hilarious scene he had where they have that sort of meta joke about Star-Lord being jealous of Thor slash Chris Pratt being jealous of Chris Hemsworth in the War of the Chris's. That was great. That was Chris Pratt. It might as well have been Andy. Like, he was great. Oh my yes. god, Star-Lord, what were you thinking, you dipshit? Like, what were you thinking? In his, I, so, so, for the listeners, you know this because you wouldn't be listening if, if you hadn't seen it, but when he just punches Thanos when they're about to finish him off, I actually, this is, this is how much <laughs> I was not compelled by that. I, why does he punch him again? Like, who, on whose, there was something that he did? Well, it's not like he puts his gun in his mouth and blows his head off. Like he, yeah. he while he's like, on the crapper, he punches him on the head. Like punches him on the head. Like what are you doing? <laughs> and <laughs> but wh- why was it so unstoppable for him again? What was his like? He was so overwhelmed by anger about because they he just told him that he had killed Gamora. So what? Which like I get <sighs> it. Like you're angry, but. Come on, man. Like, it's literally oh it's six, it's like six other people that are trying really, really hard to get this glove off this dude's hand, and he just completely fucks it up. And I understand why they had to do that, and, like, it's cool that they got so close, and yet they weren't able to do it. Like, it actually is a pretty compelling scene, but, like, from a... I just, I don't know. Like, he's, what an idiot. And then, in the scene where Thanos is literally just fucking with him and, like, telling him to shoot Gamora and then, like, turns yeah. his blaster into bubbles, like, he's toying with you, man. He's, like, literally letting you stand there. Obviously, he's not gonna let you shoot her. Like, and he just stands there like a dipshit. I, like, I, it's just a bummer of a, just a bummer of a movie for Star-Lord from a, from a plot perspective. Yeah, and the unfortunate part is, I think, sort of like we were saying about Vision, I think Star-Lord feels a bit like a, a plot device here, which is unfortunate. So I think I think that the scene where they almost finish Thanos off and they get almost get the gauntlet off of his hand, I was so compelled by that because I thought it was real. I thought yeah. they might do it, and then suddenly the movie was going to have to take a left turn. I was so excited. I was like, whoa, sweet. They're just doing something crazy here. So up until the exact moment when I realized what Star-Lord was about to do, I was utterly compelled, and the moment I saw what he was going to do, I was like, oh, this whole thing was a waste. This was just a detour for the plot to kind of do something like oh, somewhat compelling and then calm down, and then we'll have the climax later. So that was what was unfortunate for me, was it erased a lot of the goodwill that I thought that really cool scene had built up. Totally agree. Yeah. Do you have any other not top threes? Well, like I said, I don't want to accidentally yeah. say not for any that you're gonna you're gonna put, but I think I think it's fair to say I'll start with one of the less controversial ones, then maybe I'll revisit it later. The Hulk. I mean the the Hulk had had a pathetic movie and I don't understand why. Was it just like was it like just a 
give Mark Ruffalo a solid, like, hey, you can be Mark Ruffalo for a while. I don't know. It was weird. It seemed I, like a strange choice. I don't know because Mark Ruffalo wasn't particularly good. It, it's not, I don't think no. it's his fault. He's he's always a good actor. But my sense is that, like, I, I don't have a sense, I guess. I, but my point is, I don't think Ruffalo was... He wasn't given such a compelling Dr. Banner storyline that we had to see him. Well, that's the thing. It's like they're like, hey, you're not the Hulk, but we're just going to shove you in this Hulkbuster armor. Exactly. (laughs) So, like, exactly. It's not like he got to really flex his muscles. Like, kind of like in Avengers 2 when um, they, like, made it up to Jeremy Renner that he was just a drone in the first Avengers. And then he had, like, this whole family dynamic thing to play with. Exactly. If that had been the choice, that's one thing. Yeah, but instead they were like, hey, we'll just do the Robert Downey Jr. thing where we just do close-ups of your face and you say things. Yeah, exactly. It, that that just was weird to me. But whatever, we can revisit a couple others that had kind of weird movies later. Yeah. Uh, what's number six? Number six was Captain America. and Very interesting, because he I, was one that I had in, as a contender for knots. Yeah, the reason I have him this high is because I don't know what your theater experience was like, but I saw it on Thursday. We both saw it on Thursday night. Yep. Ours is a, a packed house. Mm-hmm. Saw a bunch of guys that looked like Doctor Strange. Yeah. Several. We were sitting right behind a dude that looked that was wearing like the uh, Winter Soldier Captain America mm. jacket, which was so cool. That is pretty cool. Pretty much any time anyone that we hadn't seen before came on screen, there yes. was a big cheer. Absolutely. Captain America got the biggest cheer. People lost it. And I think it's because his he came in at a, at a cool, kind of unexpected time. He looked new with the beard, and um, I think also, truthfully, a lot of people expected him to die this movie, yeah. so people were just excited to see him. You're right, though. Besides that, he does almost nothing. Yeah, he doesn't do movie. anything dumb in the way of Star-Lord. He just doesn't do anything. Which, literally doesn't do anything. No. There's a couple of lines. This is based solely on the fact that, like, I got kind of a, like, goosebumps feeling when I saw him on screen for the first time, and everyone yes. lost their shit. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And so maybe we move him down later. But, um... Yeah. Also, I just really like Chris Evans in a beard. I agree. He... That entrance was incredible, and I was so excited. Very disappointed in what they did with him in the movie. However... I have high hopes for what they'll do with him in part two. My assumption is they didn't want to shoot all their bullets here. Um, I We've seen stuff like this before where they've kind of, where movies have sort of saved a character because they knew they had bigger plans for them. My assumption is that that's the plan. Without question, Avengers 4 will be his last movie. Yes. And he will go out in a blaze of glory, especially because now he doesn't have to share the screen with half of his fellow avengers that is rather true for at least a little while in the movie (laughs) right exactly i someone at jenny at work pointed out that um they very and it's very cool that the original six avengers from the first one are all going to be around at the beginning of the next movie which is yeah that is true so let's recap we've gotten some feedback and that we actually recap a little too much so you'll notice that we skipped it before we did our not top three we're just going to do one recap in the middle here before we do number five so number six was captain america number seven groot number eight peter dinklage as itri the the dwarf giant (laughs) number nine drax slash dave bautista and number 10 the god of mischief loki yes so number five was 
Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Because I just think Robert Downey Jr. is the most perfect encapsulation of any character in these movies. Yeah. And anytime that he speaks, I have a smile on my face. Yeah. And he like he he has a big movie and like his interactions with a lot of other characters are or what makes his his role in this movie so important. Mm-hmm. But also Iron Man carried like a lot of emotional weight in this movie and it made my butthole pucker up tighter than any other part in the movie when I thought for a brief moment that he was taken away from me. Yes. I I agree. He had I was very pleasantly surprised that he did not croak in this movie, not because I think he's going to survive the series. I feel very confident that he will not be surviving this series. Although, it would be kind of an interesting, different way to go about it. I, I The more I think about it, I could see them sending him off into the sunset with Pepper in a way that I actually think could work and, and be pretty effective emotionally. Um, but regardless, he will be getting an exit in the next film. So I was actually glad that they subverted expectations by having him survive. I wonder, it kind of brings to mind a question. I wonder how much the makers of this movie anticipated what fans would expect because because we obviously are living in the moment and are aware of what expectations have been built and we know that pretty much everybody and their mother had written off any chance that captain america or iron man would survive this movie so that that was a big part of why his storyline worked because you were always afraid he was going to croak i think they literally sat down and ranked who is most likely? Who who do people think is most likely to die in this movie? Yeah, let's keep them alive. Conversely, who are people a hundred percent sure? Yes, will survive. <laughs> Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and Black Panther. All three have confirmed sequels. Yeah. No one is expecting them to croak. Let's do it temporarily. Wait, I forgot. I, Doctor Strange croaked. Yep. I for that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only way, Mike. Yeah. But I I think they literally sat down and discussed that because... Yeah, you're right. I forgot that Doctor Strange... Now that you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, they there was an algorithm involved. Yeah, and there's Guardians 3 confirmed, and every single Guardian is dead, air quotes, except for uh, Rabbit. Yeah, except for (laughs) Rocket Rabbit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, But I think... but. But personally, I think that was a big part of why Iron Man's storyline was so effective was that it just it wasn't the storyline I was anticipating in a really natural feeling way. I love Robert Downey Jr.'s continued evolution as the mentor in the group. Um, And I have a feeling that that's probably how it is on the set as well. He's a guy who's been through a lot, who's seen it all. Um, I would imagine he would talk a lot to a young kid like Tom Holland about you know, this is what it's like to be a star. This is how to do it. And and I love that. I'd like to imagine that Tom Holland follows Robert Downey Jr. around like Spider-Man follows Mr. Stark around. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I hope that's true. I do too now. <laughs> Speaking of Tom Holland, yes. number four is Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, I would say like 80% Tom Holland and 20% Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man has a, has a, has a fine movie. Um, his intro with his hair standing up, I love like the I love oh, the Spider Sense nod. 
the the hair standing up was so perfect. I love the. I think anyone that has read the civil, like any of the Civil War storyline, and knew kind of some of the abilities of the Iron Spider suit, were all really ready to see the the legs. I was not, so I had yeah. no idea that that was coming, and freaked the hell out when it did. It's so cool, and I'm a little worried. I, I'm I'm someone who is a little worried that like if you give Spider-Man like this amazing suit, all of a sudden he starts doing a lot of things that aren't very Spider-Man-y. Yeah, like it's it's more tech-driven. And so far in Homecoming and in this movie, it's completely put my fears to rest because they're doing it in a really tasteful way, such that he's not just Iron Man; he's Spider-Man, and he has an enhanced suit. I thought, but I mean, he was great and. It was fun to watch him fight Thanos and zip around and all of that. But Tom Holland is the bulk of this spot on the list because Tom Holland fucking made me shed a tear. Yeah. In an Avengers movie, Tom Holland made me shed a tear. Yeah. So before we get to that part, can we just start with his humor in the movie? Because I think that that's a big part of why what you're talking about is so effective. Yeah. For, For me... But the best line, I think the best line of the whole movie was when he's zipping around and he apologizes for forgetting everybody's names was my absolute favorite part, like favorite line of the whole movie. It was so incredible because it's true. You're this kid from New York who's like suddenly on some planet where I don't even know how they're breathing. It doesn't matter. And he's meeting all these people who are like green and orange and can can fly and change time. You would (laughs) never remember the names. And Tom Holland encapsulated that so perfectly. That and um, when Robert or uh, Iron Man, he's like, hey, you're an Avenger now. And he like. Like, stands up a little straighter and, like, looks so serious. Like, he's just been knighted. Yeah. (laughs) Without saying a single thing. He's so lovable. I can't believe... I just can't believe how they nailed that casting. I can't wait for ten more years of him as Spider-Man. I hope. Absolutely. Um, Alright, but so that, that was his humorous work, which was brilliant, and which was, I think, a big part of the reason this last part was so effective. Talk to us. When you start to see these people... Fade into dust. Return to the dust. Yes. As it were. A lot of them react, like, in horror, and they're staring right at these other people that they're close to, and just kind of, like, shocked, and they just fade away. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like a gut punch, because you're not expecting it. Like, I, there was a lot of misdirection in that scene, because with Black Panther, it's like, uh uh-oh, Okoye's out of here, and then, no, it's Black Panther. Yes. And, like... And and then they do it a couple different times, which is a little bit cheap because if this really yeah. happened, they would all just have disappeared into thin yeah. air immediately. But I, we'll let them have that. Yeah, that's fine. But Tom Holland reacts exactly the way a high school student would. Yeah, he freaks out. He gets scared. He goes, "I don't, I don't, I don't want to go, Mister Stark. I'm, I don't want to go." And yeah. like he the, says, and, and "I don't he, feel so." He says, "What do he say? I don't oh feel my so God. good." Oh. Oh, my stomach. It's just, oh my God. Because we didn't know, we at first, like you said, we had no idea big picture this was coming. But even in the scene itself, I I mean, I didn't see that coming. I was waiting for Tony Stark to just disappear. Right. And he doesn't. Instead, it's poor Peter Parker. 
what a gut, what a gut punch. That was gut wrenching. Like that, yeah. literally what that term means. Like it felt like someone was tugging on my insides. He did yeah. like completely sold that to me. And to his credit, Robert Downey Jr. on the opposite end of it, this that look on his face of just oh. like horror because his Absolutely. whole thing this whole time is like this overriding sense of guilt that he's putting this little kid in harm's way yeah. and now he's basically gotten him killed yeah and uh i think more than any other scene in the movie that was the had the most emotional heft yeah and so for that tom holland gets the number four spot with yeah. some spider-man thrown in there yes top three yeah top three baby number three if you had told me Prior to November. No, three. How is he three? He's three. Oh, boy. All right. If you had told me prior to November that I was even going to be considering this character for a top three of a list about Avengers. About anything. I would have laughed at you. But number three is Thor. And wow. I Well, it started with Ragnarok. And... We again. I just watched that the other night and was reminded how amazing he is. And Chris, you know, obviously a lot of this is Chris Hemsworth, but it's just fun to see a completely reinvented hero. Like they literally took all. Like, what are the things we know about Thor? Long blonde hair. Yep. And Two has, functioning eyes. Yep. And he has a cool hammer. Yeah. And now he has none of those things. Yeah. And he's better for it. Yeah. And he. Well, first of all, he he looks way way better i think yeah he looks great Oof. but he's probably the funniest character in this whole movie oh there I think. there can be no question one element that you and i discussed that like really should not have worked in this movie <laughs> that just did was the best joke of this whole movie was that he keeps calling rocket raccoon rabbit <laughs> and in his very Thor Shakespearean way, he doesn't say like, hey, you rabbit. He calls him rabbit. Like as though he is like the, yes, he is the rabbit. He is, he is king of rabbits. He is, he is neither a rabbit nor the rabbit. He is a raccoon. And he keeps <laughs> calling him rabbit. And it's amazing. That and, uh, just his interactions, like his, his, he doesn't even have to do anything. Him being on um, the Milano, yeah. like, he is a source of comedy as everyone reacts to him. More, yeah. most notably Star Lord, but like Gamora is touching his muscles and Drax. Says, oh my god, he's a pirate angel. <laughs> this is a man. <laughs> you are a dude. Like. <laughs> he's just everything he touches is gold in this movie, and like. You like you said before, they like take a twelve minute detour where Thor basically has to just like build himself a new hammer, and like you shouldn't be able to do that in a movie that's jam packed with so many people. And yet, I was so into it. Yeah. Why is that? It it didn't feel. I don't know if you remember in Avengers two, Thor goes on this like weird side quest that has nothing to do with the plot, and he has like a vision that basically just sets up yeah Thor three. And it was stupid and kind of panned at the time, and no one remembers it, and it was lame. And, like, kind of not the same thing, but, like, the same structure. It's Thor going off to do something, like, kind of personal to his storyline that affects the, the greater storyline. But in this case, it totally worked, and it just... I, man, again, I, his rapid ascent in the power rankings of the MCU has been a, a pleasure to behold. Totally, but... For me, like all all the comedic stuff is huge, 
But for me, the thing that puts him this high, and I actually, so when, when we were starting, I was thinking that number one would be obvious. I thought it would definitely be Thor. I'm very interested oh, really? now to hear who the other two are. But his entrance, when he's carrying his new axe, and he brings down the thunder from the sky. I don't. Oh my god! I I scarcely remember the last time I got such goosebumps in a movie. He just he brought he brought the thunder. He literally brought the thunder and just rips through this field of people. Which side note is fitting because he is an actual god. Um, so you know, as a general matter, he should probably be doing this more often. But. Oh, I loved that so much. That that made that part of the movie for me. That was definitely one of the fist bumpiest parts of the movie. Yeah. And just awesome to watch. The two that are above him are more so because if you're talking about who won the movie, yeah. these two characters had the biggest impact plot-wise and had enough going on otherwise okay. to just, I think, vault them high. Then I think I know who these two are going to be, but I'm curious to see if I'm right. So number two is Doctor Strange. Yeah. We talked a little bit before about how Doctor Strange, his own movie, was somewhere between good and great. Just fun and really unique. And great to see Benedict Cumberbatch. And it wasn't a whole lot more than that. Yeah. And he makes a big jump in this movie because all of a sudden, like, his ego clashes with... uh, Tony's and like that that whole thing is really spectacular but he really flexes his powers in ways that he didn't before so he's I think in, in my opinion he, besides that awesome moment from Thor I think like Doctor Strange is actually the funnest to watch in this movie because even though Iron Man's suit does some cool things so does Spider-Man it's like Doctor Strange like you don't know what he's gonna do let's see yeah. he takes on Thanos one-on-one and he multiplies himself or when he's yes. like wrapping people up in ribbons or like making portals and Obviously, the he doesn't use the eye at all, but like, I, like as far as my favorite characters to watch do things in this movie, he was my favorite. Like he's his, yeah. his set of powers is so unique and cool, and he just has such a prominent role in the movie, and he understands what needs to be done in order for all this to go their way, and is basically kind of pulling the strings. And so like the reason like his, his role is like puppet master and in that way and all those things together, I thought he had a really, really strong movie and now I'm super hyped for whenever Dr. Strange two comes out. I agree. I, and I think one thing that I, I think plays a big part of that is when you watch most of the characters, it's a question of whether they can beat up somebody, but for him, that's not a factor. And so it's not, it's not for me as a viewer and I don't care about realistic, but just for, for the dramatic tension, it's hard for me to get totally invested in whether or not so-and-so can beat so-and-so up in a fight when they're all gods and, and altered and all this stuff. But the question of whether Dr. Strange can think more creatively than somebody else is a really cool question because it plays out in really neat ways on the screen, but it also feels like a question that there might really be a different answer than you expect. Right. It's not a punchy power. Like, he, yeah. And it's kind of cool that he goes up one-on-one with Thanos, who at that time basically has a pretty comparable set of powers with the stuff. Yeah, he seems unstoppable collected. at the time, pretty much. Right. I, that showdown is one of my favorite parts of the movie. 
Yeah. And I don't know, based on the way we just gushed about Thor and thinking about it, like maybe he moves down a peg or two, but he's, I'm, I'm glad that he's becoming such a linchpin in the MCU. Like, in it's, it's strange that yeah. <laughs> like seeing Dr. Strange is really important for catching up to this movie. But. Yes. That was something very unexpected. <laughs> And so that brings us to number one, and I think at this point, it's pretty obvious who it's going to be. He yeah. just literally wins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's Thanos, and I think the biggest thing that can be said about Thanos is that we actually, like, care about, not care about him, really, but, like... A little he's bit. Rele- a little bit, but, like, you know, he's relevant as a villain, which, like, is not something that you can say about a lot of... MCU villains like you get where he's coming from and there's yeah. some emotional stuff with him with his background and I don't know I actually just found myself like almost not rooting for him but like like enjoying watching him do what he was doing and like not hating that he was getting all these infinity stones and yeah like, and he will like he did a lot of cool stuff with them and fucked with a lot of the Avengers and uh and then as a side note was rendered, I think, incredibly beautifully and acted really, really, really convincingly by Josh Brolin. Like, I was surprised, really, really stunned at how well they brought him onto the screen. I just thought he was really compelling. And then at the end of the day, this dude just got all the Infinity Stones and wiped out half of the people on the planet, or any planet, and then at the end of the movie, he kind of sits there and just has that grin on his face, and he did it, and... He there was a lot riding on him being a good villain because this movie doesn't work if he's not compelling. And Absolutely, so, and so they nailed it with with Thanos. I think so. Yeah, I think Josh Brolin is a master. I thought that the animation, as you said, was beautiful, and I think that was low key very important to the movie. I think you need that animation to work. <laughs> Just uh, ask Justice League. <laughs> seriously, yeah, to ask them. Um, similar to Planet of the Apes, like the the fact that the animation was rendered so beautifully really makes it easier to connect with somebody you might not connect with otherwise. But for me, the thing that I think really made him such a brilliant villain was Josh Brolin. Um, really convinced me that that he didn't want to do this, and I think that that's the brilliance of this because. And you'll you'll not be surprised that I'm going to connect this to Batman. Um, I think what makes what makes the Harvey Dent Two Face character in the Dark Knight so compelling to me, and it's become more evident the more I've watched the movie, is that in the last scene when he's pointing the gun at Batman and at uh, Commissioner Gordon, he points it at himself second, so he doesn't set it up so that he could kill. Batman and Gordon before himself. If he loses the coin toss, he's dead and he doesn't get to kill Commissioner Gordon. To me, that was one of the most brilliant things Chris Nolan has ever done because it's telling you in a really subtle but really brilliant way that Harvey Dent isn't just some vengeful asshole. He really believes the universe effed me over and the only thing that's fair in the universe is chance. And I really think that that's what we get from Thanos is that he didn't, I don't think he curated the list of people who get killed. I think it really was random. And I think when you see him uh, in the Shire at that Hobbit hole at the end of the movie, for some reason, he, I know he has that smile, 
but I don't think he's happy. And that to me just ma- that makes the it, movie. He's he's satisfied. I think he's he feels a sense of satisfaction. It's it's not a sinister no. grin like mwahaha, no. I did it. It's it's more of like it's how you would feel after you just accomplished something you've been yep. working on for a long time. It's a sigh of relief as he sits down and thinks to himself, "Look what I just did. I have saved I have saved the lives of so many yeah. people by by sacrificing this number." Which, like, it, yeah, and like, because you're right, the motivations of so many people, even if they are purportedly noble in their eyes, like, and and some of these movies, like, it, it just seems like the motivations aren't as complex as his are. Yeah, and because he, like, talking about balance, he has to weigh, he has to make a lot of sacrifices to get where he is, and he really truly believes that he's saving a lot of people by making this sacrifice as well. And he sees what he's doing as a sacrifice. Yeah. I think, I think that that scene at the end of the movie is for this movie, what the scene of Maya on the airplane is in zero dark 30, which as you know, is one of my Mm. favorite scenes is after this whole movie's over and, and all this stuff happens and she gives up so much and she does so many bad things. She doesn't know what the hell is next. And I think for us as a viewer, that's a really cool privilege because we've watched this movie expecting a very traditional storyline. It's really hard to know what's next. Don't get me wrong. They can screw it up and just turn the next thing into a knockdown, drag out, punch them up type situation. But I think if they're really smart and thoughtful about this, they've set us up for the villain doesn't know what's next. What's next? He did his, he did did his thing. Now, if we just have everybody do some time travel and undo it and then he has to redo it, then congratulations, this was all a circle jerk. But it's a really cool spot. I hope that you're right and they make Thanos grapple with yeah. that. And like he has to... He, it's like in Megamind <laughs> when he... When he kills, um, when he kills Metro yeah. Man. Sorry if you haven't yeah, seen so Megamind. Yeah, spoilers for <laughs> Megamind too. Yeah, and everyone just goes, "He did it." Yeah, he did it. I did it, and it's like, oh my god, like what the hell do I do? And then the whole rest of that movie is him trying to fix that mistake. Mm-hmm. But it's that's just what it reminded me of, and it's kind of the no, same it, thing. it is. So we're so I think I I think the position that I want to be in as a viewer and I think we should all be in right now, is real gratitude that we're at the place we're at and real skepticism that we're going to continue down this wonderful road. <laughs> I don't think we're going to. And I, I don't really think anybody's no. to blame. There's been a house of cards that has been built. It's going to come tumbling down. But we're in a really good spot right now. I got one more really good movie than I expected. A lot of that has to do with Thanos, and I'm very grateful for that. Agreed. For the first time in a while, I'm like really genuinely unsure of what's coming yeah. next because, just like from the nuts and bolts standpoint of how you make this next movie, like they did a good job of explaining how you can have this massive battle where it's a horde of nameless beasts versus all of our Avengers, and. But, like, this next movie can't just be, like, they all team up and they try to beat Thanos because they've already done that. We literally already saw that yeah. scene where it's, like, seven of them versus Thanos. And so, like, you can't just redo that. And I don't see how you can have another just, like, a massive 
sprawling battle like they did in this. Like, they've done, they've played those cards. I'm concerned that they're probably going to just play them again. I, we'll yeah. see. I've, I've never, I mean, not never. Rarely am I truly disappointed in a, in a Marvel yeah. movie, especially the last couple. They've been on a good streak here. And I'm really optimistic, and I'm glad that we only have to wait a calendar year to see this finale. Yeah. Anyways, let's, we totally, we're just like all out of sorts here. We didn't do honorable mentions before number three. So I'm going to go through those now. So my first honorable mention is um, (laughs) a very silly one. And (laughs) you might've missed it if you weren't really paying attention. It's not like I was really paying attention, but I just happened to be looking at the right place at the right time. Some of the writers from, uh, Arrested Development were work, worked on this movie as well. And so for you Arrested Development fans out there, Tobias Fumke makes a brief, brief, brief cameo in this movie. The character or the actor? The char- it's not David Cross. Okay. Uh, I looked it up. But in when the Guardians show up at Nowhere to get the Reality Stone, mm-hmm. they go to the Collector's Lair, and there's like a, an assortment of cages and jars and whatever. And in one of them is a man in cut-off jean shorts. Oh my completely god! Completely bare-chested, blue-skinned with glasses. It's very clearly Tobias after he's blue himself. Blue <laughs> oh himself. God. It's a very obvious reference once you see it and you know to look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really funny uh, Easter egg. Wow. So, honorable mention to Tobias. I had heard that there was an Arrested Development Easter egg, but I didn't know what it was. That was... Sorry I ruined it in case you, like, stumbled upon it. No, I, in, I wouldn't. Life, but, I, but I'm glad the Never Nude made an appearance. Yeah, exactly. Our, the world's uh, very first anal-rapist. So, <laughs> <laughs> my second honorable mention goes to Kevin Feige, who is just the administrator of this whole MCU empire. Just wanted to give him shouts for orchestrating this 10-year behemoth that I don't think anyone predicted would ever be this successful. Yeah. We talked about this earlier that Marvel was kind of feeling themselves with this one. And at the beginning of the movie, in the opening credits, there's like some word that they highlight an L and an O to make it say 10. Like 10 Mm -hmm. years of Marvel. Which, it's just cool. It's fun to have all this build up. And this this has literally never been done in, in film before. So congratulations to that team for putting Marvel back on the map in a lot of ways and giving us all this content that we love. Oh my to goodness. Yes. So much. Yeah. And a big thank you. Thank you, Kevin Feige. If for some reason you. you ever listened to this podcast. Yeah. Number three I have here is um, Ned for his one line in this movie. <laughs> oh, is that the, is that the friend in the chair? Yeah. <laughs> I need you to cause a distraction. Oh, we're all going to, holy shit. We're all going to die. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> I hope so I hope that kid got paid at least like I don't know like twenty what twenty k like I hope he got twenty k for that one line because that was worth twenty k oh absolutely in the theater people lost it yeah he's really funny and I'm looking forward to him being in the chair more really hope he makes I hope they make a conscious decision to really make him a part of those stories in that role. Because I love that role. I think that that's a really fun... Oracle. Yeah, Oracle. Like, I love Guy in the Chair. It's a really cool and sort of time-honored tradition in the comic book world. And he has all of the requisite qualities. So I really hope that they expand that role for him. Absolutely. If you want to see a good Guy in the Chair movie, 
that's not actually a guy in the chair at all mm-hmm. is um spy with Melissa McCarthy. She's the guy in the chair for the first oh probably, yeah like, first like half hour of that movie and then becomes a spy. Yeah, but just another guy in the chair. Also, reference. the real Napster is a great guy in the chair. Oh, very good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really good. that could be a that could be a top ten top ten guy in the chair characters in movies. So start thinking about that. And my last honorable mention is the Red Skull, which I don't think anyone expected the Red Skull to be in this movie. No. So I need I need two things to be discussed here. One, was that Hugo Weaving? No. Okay, I didn't think I didn't think it was him. I I don't want to f- flex here, but especially because that turns out I was wrong in a way. But you hear his voice for a while before you see his face, and I'm like that. Sounds like Hugo Weaving. I think this might be the Red Skull. Because there had yeah. been some chatter about how, like, at the end of Captain America, it's not entirely clear if he's killed or just portaled away. And I was wrong, because it's not Hugo Weaving. I just happened to be right that it was the Red Skull. Mm. I think you get the points for that. The, there's five points to Kyle Dorr for that, because I had no idea what was happening and then saw Red Skull and was like, I don't think that's Hugo Weaving, which sort of pulled me out of the moment a little bit. Yeah, I just thought it was a cool yeah. way to bring that character back into it a little bit. And it was a neat cautionary tale. Like, hey, I used to be really into trying to find Infinity Stones, Infinity Stones. And now I'm here on this weird planet, just like chilling in this hoodie. So careful. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I really like, I, lo- I really like that villain. And I was just, it was fun to see him again. That was That's a fun all. and very surprising appearance. Yeah. So. What you have? Um, well, I think my number one honorable mention would have to be Hawkeye um, for not appearing in this movie because <laughs> he did us all a, a good service in not coming and being boiled oatmeal with no sugar in it. Just oh, oh, hello, how are you, Mister Mister I? Would you like to shoot <laughs> your arrow at things and and do nothing of interest? Okay. Wow, that's funny because I actually considered putting non Hawkeye on my not top three. I was I really thought they were pulling a fast one on us, and he was going to be in this movie. I really I like Renner a lot, and I really like Hawkeye. I like Hawkeye. I'm a, I'm a huge Jeremy Renner fan. Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is just a snooze freaking fest. Like nothing. I just ugh. I don't know. Yeah. All right, I agree yeah. to disagree. I love him. I love his his thing with uh, Black Widow. And I, speaking of bit players, <laughs> although honorable honorable mention to that awesome scene where it's her and Okoye, Okoye. and one is it who who else is it? But it's the three of them fighting that female Black Order type monster. Yeah. It was just a cool like girl power moment. I love that. Yeah, agreed. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, so so I would say he was one for me of honorable mentions. I'm trying to think who else I would have on our honorable mentions. I, I think generally speaking, as I'm looking through this list, I think you kind of hit all the ones that I would have wanted on this list. I think yeah. it's going to come down to order for me. I mean, if we yeah. just think about players who you would assume would be on this list, the Hulk was poop as discussed. Um, mm-hmm. Black Panther was, was just not just there. Wasn't there. Which I, kind of I was fine with, actually. I, I mentioned that to uh, Alex and Shelby when we went to see it. 
I told them ahead. I said, I really hope there's very little Black Panther because I really don't trust anybody but Ryan Coogler with this character. I just don't. Yeah. Here's the thing about Black Panther. Black Panther is probably the fourth most compelling character in his own movie. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. Also, to be to be fair. But I I guess I'm talking more generally like the Black Panther property. I'm glad that like we didn't get too much of any of them. We got cute. We got cute little nods to Okoye and uh, what, what's his sister's name? Shuri. Yeah, I, I liked. I liked the little nods, but I'm glad that we didn't get too much or try to incorporate it because their world is so awesome. Leave it alone. Yeah, I think they had. We'd had not enough Black Panther, but like we had a lot of Black Panther and Black Panther, and so like it was fine. And that's actually the only character really of note that was in this movie that were unsure of their fate for the next movie was Shuri, and I hope that she's in it. Yes. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I actually I totally agree on, on the Black Panther. And it's not Chadwick Boseman's fault. I think Chadwick Boseman's great. I just think that... Yeah. Um, I, I think other... Uh, just, like, worth men- when mentioning, because there are a lot of fans of these characters. It's, there are a lot of... They're, like... There's a very small sect of people that really, really love the Winter Soldier, and I'm sure they were disappointed in this movie because he didn't really do anything. The people in my movie were freaking out about everything that happened with the Winter Soldier. Everything. Like, I mean, anything. These There was a crowd of, like, swooning people. Um, Yeah, he was kind of fine. So I, I, you know, I think generally there were, like, a lot of the people you expected to have really big movies didn't totally. Um. One character you didn't mention on your top list who I think is deserving of a spot would be Scarlet Witch. I think, first mm. of all, because she shouldered a lot of the plot burden, but second of all, because I think that she did a really good job. I think, like you said, we, it was a little bit surprising how little of the emotional heft we ended up um, kind of having carried by Vision, but I think that I still felt emotional resonance out of that storyline, and I think a lot of that comes from Elizabeth Olsen's work. Yeah, I in retrospect, I don't know what I was thinking. I she was one of my favorite parts of this movie, and just now I may have omitted her accidentally. Was it her and Okoye and I think Black I think were... it was because I think she ended up kind of just blasting through the whole situation <laughs> eventually. It's interesting because if you think about the most powerful Avengers, she's one yeah. of them. It's like it's like her vision and Doctor Strange. Yeah really have a disproportionate amount of abilities and yeah. Thor's on that list too. And mm-hmm. they're all going to be out of commission for the start of this next movie. So it's, it's interesting. I, I think we absolutely need to find a spot for Scarlet Witch and she may actually jump pretty high. I think so too. Um, and another yeah. character who I think deserves a decent spot on this list would be Gamora. Um, mm. I, I think so. Is that Zoe Saldana? Yeah, it is right. So she's the girl from uh, Avatar. Avatar and also Star Trek. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, well, she's just really good. I think she's generally kind of given like a secondary role and, and does a nice job with it. But I think that she took a step forward with this movie. Also, that little girl who played her as a kid was terrific. Mm. Um, but I just thought that her character was such a surprisingly big part of this movie. And I think probably unwisely such a big part of the movie. I think from a plot perspective, it might be kind of one too many balls in the air to to make a lot of this about her. That aside, I thought that the character had a very good movie. 
took a step forward in terms of having a complete emotional arc. And I thought Zoe Saldana was, was excellent as usual. So I think that, I think she's at least we got to think about her. Yeah, for sure. I didn't think about her much because her, her role was kind of plot pointy, but also you're right. Like she, she had to flex, especially Zoe Saldana, like doing a lot of things and make, making the whole, her thing with Thanos and Nebula, like that whole, that whole triangle there is, is pretty interesting. Absolutely. Also that scene, uh, where Thanos and his people come to her planet was very reminiscent of that, uh, similar scene from, uh, um, not Prometheus, but, uh, the newest one. Oh, Covenant. Yeah. Didn't it remind you a lot of that when they're all on that planet, like in their Roman (sighs) sort of togas and yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah, <laughs> very similar scene. Um, but I would say those two are the ones I'd kind of stump for. For I think they deserve a spot. As far as people who I think might be ranked uh, incorrectly or maybe need a little bit of a boost, I think that I'd probably put. I'd probably move Groot down or off the list. Ugh, I'd have a hard time playing Drax off. So I feel like Groot and Captain America are the two that I think might want to come off this list. I think. I think you're right, because Groot had one cool moment, and otherwise was a bit of a non-factor, and, and I, you could say literally the same thing about Captain America. He had an awesome entrance, and I think it's fair, because I think we can expect to rank him pretty high yes. on the next list. When we do this when we do this same list very, very soon, we are almost certainly going to have uh, a new number one, and it's most likely to be Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. And... I think that uh, our good friend Chris Evans will will make a, a strong appearance on that list. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know. What do you think about that moment with Groot? Is uh, not nah. no. You're right. We'll just uh, let's, let's take Groot off because I don't because I don't want to take Loki off the list. He deserves kind right, of right. Like, I was try, I was this, trying to think like is there another one? But I really like Loki. I thought Drax was really good. Drax is Drax. The breadth of his comedy and the fact that he's so great for the whole time. Compared to Groot's one moment, and I don't want to take this from Peter Dinklage, let's take off Captain America and Groot. Yeah. Let's start from the top, then. What do you think about Thanos at number one? Because I, I, I think actually feel the, pretty strongly about it. I think it. it's the right move. I think, based on our conversation, Thor is our new two. Yes, I think so, too. I think Doctor Strange can go right down to three. I, th- I still like him this high, but <sighs> what do you think? Oh, man, you made such a good case for Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. He was so freaking good in this movie. He made Ferris Bueller fresh again. Like, we've talked about it. That's a character that for a lot of reasons has kind of gone out of vogue and has been overdone historically. He overcomes the familiarity we all have with this type of character by by undercutting some of the sort of, like, bravado with that moment. Oh, Let's do it, because... He made me laugh and he made me cry. Yeah. And Doctor Strange just more just made me think like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. All right. But then but then definitely Doctor Strange at four. Okay. Then we have, so without inserting anyone, we then have Iron Man and then Peter Dinklage, Drax, and Loki. I think this is a good spot for Scarlet Witch. Yeah. I, th- I think that it's either Scarlet Witch or Iron Man right here. I think we give the nod to... Scarlet Witch again because I think that Iron Man is probably gonna yes have a... <laughs> yeah he he's likely going to be two or three I would think <laughs> next movie but I think I actually like him at six because I think he had a stronger movie than 
than anyone below him currently. Yes, and I also think he had a far stronger movie than any of us had any right to think he would have. Certainly. I think Loki can't go higher than 10 because he was only in the movie for like 30 seconds. Yep. So we just have to decide how we want to do Dinklage, Drax, and Gamora. I think we... I personally would go Drax, Gamora, Dinklage. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So that means we have a full top 10 list. It feels like we might have a list. Do you want to run them off or shall I? Yeah, I'll I'll run them off. Uh, At number 10, The God... Or what should be like the godling, because it just, it was felt so cute. The godling of mischief, Loki. Number nine, Lord Tyrion himself, Peter Dinklage, as something or other. Uh, at number E-tree. eight, e- was it E-tree? E-tree. I, I assume, I, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. That's how it looks like it's pronounced. That works for us. Uh, at number eight, Gamora. Number seven, the comedian himself, Drax. Number six, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Number five, Scarlet Witch. Number four, Doctor Strange, a.k.a. Benny Muffins Cumberbund. Number three, Thomas Holland, a.k.a. Peter Parker, a.k.a. AKA Spider-Man. Number oh, two, we're doing fake names? What, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was such a great line. Oh, that was so good. I forgot about that one. That was the only line. Sorry, I'm I'm inserting this. That was the only line that was in the trailer that people still lost it over. Yes, I remember seeing the trailer and knowing it was coming and still loving it. Yes, number two then. Uh, number two, Thor, Sans, an eye, hair, Mjolnir, all of it. He still brought the thunder. And number one, the probably the second best villain that Marvel has ever churned out behind our good friend, uh, Mr. Killmonger, Thanos, who certainly won this movie when he wiped out half of all, I believe, life, not just humanoid life in the universe. All sentient life, maybe? We don't yeah, know. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll find out. We'll see if, uh, if Spuds McKenzie is still alive. Alright, fantastic work. I, that was fun. I, I kind of like this idea of doing something a little more focused, a little more relevant. And I think Absolutely. we have a couple ideas for similar ones to do in, in the not-too-distant future, so hopefully people enjoy it. Sorry if you didn't see Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take a week off. Yeah. Alright, see you, bud. Yeah. Alrighty, friends, that was our top 10 for this week, but now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at top10km. That's all spelled out, top10km. Our email, top10km, spelled the same way, at gmail.com, or our site, top10km.podbean.com all forms of communication accepted except for serial killer notes please don't send us any of those if you like the pod be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of top 10 ever again if you didn't like it please tell us why we'll try to make the show better our theme music was composed by kevin mcleod and our artwork was created by aaron sant you can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons, we'll see you next week.